know, high five day, I heard on the radio. So give somebody a high five and you can be seated. Amen. As you're being seated, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Now, Pastor Gregory has been teaching this wonderful series called Every Single Christian. And how many of you know whether you are married or not, you are still a single Christian? You will stand before the throne of God, individual, independent, solitary, by yourself. Amen? And he will call you by your name, not by your title, not by your accomplishments. He won't even call you by your calling. He will call you by your name. So it is important that we know and understand exactly what he intends for every single Christian. So this is not just aimed for the single person that's not married, but this is a way in which even you married folks can gain some information, learn some things, probably understand why your spouse is kind of weird like that and you just not. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Now, I am going to treat this exactly the way the Bible is. The Bible is, one, a book of instructions. The Bible is, two, a testament, both old and new. So I'm going to treat you all in this room like a classroom and a courtroom, okay? And I'm decided to, I've been led to change up my teaching style a little bit so that I give you some information but allow 10 minutes at the end of each time I teach for you to ask some questions. Because if you're anything like me, I'm having a whole conversation with myself and the Holy Spirit while every minister is ministering. I'm thinking, writing, jotting down, and somehow the Spirit just knows how to catch me up with whatever he or she is saying. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Got to tell you, please forgive me to have your ushers ready to grab some questions. So if you think of some questions, jot them down on a sheet of paper, pass it down to the end of the row. Our ushers or hostesses, they'll grab it for you. Just stick it out on the side of the aisle, and they'll grab, send it to the outer aisles, and they'll, uh, they'll bring it up to me um, at the end of this when I, you know, have the time for questions. Just in case, I won't probably be able to entertain all, and if y'all don't have any questions, that don't mean you get to leave early. I'm just going to talk some more. <laughs> we all better ask some questions. All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I said on Sunday when I ministered that every story, whether it's fact or fiction, every story, whether it's historical, current, or future, every story has to have a very important and well, it has to have a protagonist and an antagonist, but if you remove the first two chapters, and usually this last two chapters of any story, you sort of lose the origin and the conclusion of that story. Therefore, the reader is left up to their own demise to figure out exactly what happened and how it came to be. And they have to figure it out on themselves, thus leaving it to be conclusions all over the place. So I always, when I'm talking about being single, relationships, I always like going back to the beginning. Because that was God's standard. That was his original plan. That was his first intention. And I truly believe when Jesus came, he restored that standard. Not in us and our ability alone, but in him. Amen? So, with that being said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. 
It says here, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Stop. Pastor Gregory just got through talking about the blueprint or the, or the intended purpose or the ways of man. And he wanted me to come and he said, babe, okay, so now it's your turn. So the name of this is still every single Christian, but it's colon, lady parts, ladies part. Ladies parts. Got it? I ain't getting nasty on y'all, just ladies parts. All right. I posted it on Facebook, and I got some response like, what y'all doing down there? <laughs> Come and see. So, God in the beginning, after he had made all of earth, after he separated the, the, the heaven from the earth, the water from the land, the air from the depths, the After he created the birds and the cattle and the creeping things and all that stuff, he set everything in place, set the world in motion, made the gravitational pull just perfect, made the sunlight come and go as on schedule, made created seasons that would come and go on schedule. He did all that and said, now let's make man in our image. And not only, now mind you, let us, so you know it was Father, the Son, the Father, the Father, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the three of them. That, and they say, let us make man in our image, after our similitude. That word image there is a Greek word for shadow or like a reflection. So it's not his physical image, but we know that we, he said we're going to make, them, make him or make them after our spiritual image, okay? And, and making man after his spiritual image and after their likeness. And then it says... With that comes an assignment. They will have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, the cattle, every creeping thing. And God created them, and God created man in his own image, male and female created he them. And then he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply in verse 28, and replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Mankind has their assignment what they're placed in the earth to do. I personally believe that God replicated himself in man to cover the entire earth with his image, with his kindness, with his, with his superior posturing as his means of eradicating the devil. I just think we, we got in the way of ourselves and slowed the process down. But nevertheless, he populated, he intended that the whole entire earth be dominated, subdued, under the control of mankind. Now, when we look at the word here, going back to Genesis 20, uh, verse, chapter 129, I mean, verse 28, I'm sorry. He says, be fruitful. Now, people read this, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish, and think that all clumps together to, be, to mean just repopulate the earth. It doesn't. He didn't mean for us to be like bunny rabbits, amen? Or roaches, or whatever populates fast. <laughs> But he instructed us to be, number one, fruitful. And this means to bring forth, to grow, and to increase. He intended for man 
to grow and to increase. When you look this up, and I, I, I don't like pronouncing these words, but I will. Paral, it's the Hebrew word paral, P-A-W dash R-A-W. And that means to bear fruit, to be a producer of good things, to grow. So it was God's intention, even back then, that man creates the internet. Amen? It was God's intention back then that man find electricity. It was God's intention back then that we discover the power of a peanut. It was God's intention back then that we discover what gravity means and that we're able to launch out into space. It was his intention even back then that we grow and increase in our abilities, capabilities, and our powers. Amen? So with that, he says, be fruitful, to grow, to increase. Then he goes on to say, right after that, multiply. Again, not just going out and making babies, but he, mean, he meant to go out and increase, to, to, to have an abundance, to be prosperous, to produce. God was all good with trade. God was talking about prosperity even back then at the point of creation. Okay? After multiplying, he says replenish. Now he's talking about having babies. Now he's talking about reproducing. Now he's talking about repopulating the earth. And then after he says that, he says subdue it. The word subdue there is kabosh, to tread down, to positively conquer, to violate another kingdom, to bring into bondage or bring by force something else. Wait a minute. I know, right? What does that mean? Subdue it. The earth ain't fell yet. I mean, man hasn't fallen yet. There's nothing about Satan here yet. But we know Ezekiel, we know later on, Daniel, that somewhere Satan was in the earth. But he says subdue, to take by force, to violate another kingdom which tells me that even at the point of creation, man was going to have an adversary. At the point of creation, man was going to have an adversary. We know that because just in Genesis chapter 2, after man is formed, all the animals are yielded to him. So who are you running from? All the animals. He had dominion over everything in the sky, everything under the water, everything on the earth. What he running, who are you running from? Things that make you go, hmm... Then he goes on to say, after that, and to have dominion. Again, that's that same word. No, it's a different word, radal, R-A-W-D-A-W. And this means to tread down, to subjugate, to specifically crumble off or to take back, to have dominion. Again, the enemy's not even on the earth. We don't know nothing about If this was just Adam, he, he's thinking, when am I going to take back? When am I going to? crumble off. What, what? You understand? All right. I wanted to establish that because even after man fall, fell, nothing about the assignment of man and what he's on the earth to do changed. It never changed. What changed was his spiritual and mental positioning. And he took God out of the, his spirit out of the superior category and 
left it up to his own demise to figure it out later on. But God, there was already an adversary in the earth. The thing with the garden and the serpent wasn't nothing that was going to be a surprise. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, what happened? Now, if you are in the earth and you are here right now, guess what? You are charged with being prosperous. You're charged with growth. You're charged with reproduction and repopulation. You're charged to have dominion and you're charged to subdue. You have the ability, if you're in this place, you and God have the ability to walk as if you were in the Garden of Eden, conquering every adversary that comes your way, overcoming every temptation that yields at your door or enters your mind, overcoming every obstacle or every barricade that tries to come that way. Isn't that right, Marsha? You don't even, if you are in Christ Jesus and you say Jesus is Lord, as a single individual person, let's forget the power of agreement. Let's forget one flesh. As an individual person, you have enough power all you by yourself with God to walk on water. And anything less than that, you got in your own way. Anything less than that. So you ought to be the top producer. You ought to get raises out the clear blue sky. You ought to be called in for those five-minute meetings. You ought to be the chick that every guy is checking out. You ought to be the dude that every girl is checking out. What? You ought to be the one that people are envious of. You ought to. If you're walking truly, if you're clothed in what Christ Jesus did for you, you are walking in the days of Adam. He is the second Adam, which, wait a minute, hold up. He supersedes the first Adam. You, all by yourself, and King Jesus. You ought to have excellent recall. You ought to be stronger in the craziest situation. You ought to be able to make wise decisions under pressure. You ought to be able to respond in the nick of time. You ought to find yourself in peculiar situations that they say was uh, coincidental. Mind you, there is no Hebrew word for coincidence. No Hebrew word for chance. He says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Even when you don't even, God, tell me where to go, tell me what to do. A lot of times he just says walk. And as you walk, he's just able to move stuff right in your direction. For real, though, I cannot tell you that God told me to get up and do whatever anytime. One time I remember clearly that I heard an audible voice of God, and that was when I was going to Ramah, and I had interviewed with this family, and I'm twisting and turning about whether I should rent this room from this family. Now, mind you, this family was nothing like me. From the back country of Ohio, that already was a strike being a Michigan grad. <laughs> Trucker family. Caucasian family, little bitty kid. I'm single, wild in Detroit. But when I got in that car, God said, this is where you will live. And I looked in my back seat. I got off the car and looked around. I had never experienced anything like that. 
But God has a way just, just because this is how he created you, folks. He responds to us, period. If a good father just knows that you want, I don't know, he just knows you want, name something, what's something you want? What's something you want? (laughs) Okay, he wants prosperity. He's just going to line him up. If he keep on walking by faith, line him up with this book, line him up with this meeting, line him up with this this, uh, encounter. Line them up over here where he heard this. Line up with this opportunity. If you just keep walking, it happens. All too often, we just wanted to all show up in the mailbox right around tax time. All right. So I wanted to go there so that you know and understood how you understand how you were created. Going back to the beginning so you know what your, I mean, this is just like the default button of who you are. This is that control, alt, delete, restore. You know what I'm talking about? This is that, you know, that rewind and play again from the beginning. This is that setting, okay? Because when you understand that, then it's easier for you to say, okay, that's my standard, that's my measurement, and how far am I off, and where can I, how could I get back? All right. So, whenever you have a class, whenever someone's teaching something, I remember when I was in college, you're teaching because there is information to be gained, and these people are supposed to be interested in this information. But there are three questions that you always ask yourself. What is the class? Will it satisfy my major criteria? Why is this class necessary. And in this situation, because this here right here, we'll say is a class for Christian, for Christian singles. We're going to be talking about ladies. But why is this necessary? There's a social epidemic going on that is so widespread and is so subtle and so slick and so perverse that you could find yourself in the middle of, in the eye of a hurricane, in the eye of a storm. You know, in the eye of the storm, it's real quiet. It's real still. And before you know it, you're caught up. Okay? I'm going to read to you some statistics. Now, please say with me, raise your right hand and say, I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. He has made me right. He has given me right standing. He's redeemed me, delivered me from all sin. I have power, dominion over sin and death. Okay, I wanted you to make that confession. And you ought to make it constantly. Especially if you have self-esteem issues, if you have doubt issues. if You, have, you should say that often. But I want to read to you some statistics. You know, I'm all about information. Hosea says in chapter 4, he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That word destroyed there means that they're cast out. They lose an inheritance. They lose possession. They revoke their abilities. That's what that word destroyed there means. They're cast out. And God says, since you reject knowledge, then I'm going to reject you. Because I can't do nothing with you if you don't want to be informed. And sometimes the negative information is that spotlight or is that glare in the face whereby you can say, okay, I understand why this is necessary, okay? And, and 
if this, if this is, a, you're a part of this statistic, this is not for the purpose of condemnation, but for the purpose of information. You are even more than, you should be even more charged to be overcomers, to be rewriters of your history. Amen? To be declarers of God's goodness, grace, and mercy, and his redeeming power. But listen to these statistics. These are sex statistics. <laughs> Approximately half of HBB, which is hepatitis B, infections are transmitted sexually. HBB is linked to chronic liver disease, including psoriasis and liver cancer. It's estimated that one in five Americans have genital herpes, a lifelong but manageable infection. Yet up to 90% of those people don't even know they have it. With more than 50 million adults in the U.S. with genital herpes and up to 776,000 new infections each year, some estimates suggest that by 2025, up to 40% of all men and 50% of all women will be infected. This is 2017. This is the devil's forecast. And because he's been sick and sublime and dealing with our carnal nature, he's having his way. Not in this place. Over 14 million people acquire HPV each year, and by the age of 50, at least 80% of the women have, will have acquired genital HPV infection, and most people with HPV do not develop symptoms. Each year, there are almost 3 million new cases of chlamydia, many of which are in adolescents and young adults. And this one was kind of put me off. About two-thirds of young females believe doctors routinely uh, screen teens for chlamydia. However, in 20, 2003, and as of 20, 2010, it's worsened. Only 30% of women, 25 and under, with commercial health care plans and 45% with Medicaid plans are screened. And this is why this information is important, because at least 15% of all American women who are infertile can attribute it to tubal damage caused by pelvic inflammatory disease, PID, which is a result of untreated STDs. One in two sexually active persons will contract an STD or an STI by the age of 25. New one, a little different. The New York Times really recently published a story that more than half of the births to American women are under the, under the age of 30 now occur outside of marriage. Only six in 10 adults who were never married and over the age of 20 still want to get married. Oh, you say, oh, that's not bad. Still, 60% of Americans want to get married. In 1960, 95% of Americans aspired to be married. That's just 50-something years ago. How many years ago? 55 years ago. Only 29% of people who were married at least once even want to marry again. Then here we go with this. One in four women have experienced domestic violence. One in 10 men have experienced domestic violence. Domestic violence is a leading cause of female homelessness in the U.S. 
almost 80% of females incarcerated have suffered from some type of abuse. Why did I read that? Because I said earlier, we've take, we come and attend teachings because we want to know why. Why is this teaching necessary? And again, this information is not to condemn anybody. I've had to deal with domestic abuse. Now, from Joel Gregory, let me make that clear for SoundCloud. <laughs> Somebody take that and run with me. <laughs> but if we don't understand our worth, our value, and how and by and how who we were created to be and whose we were created by, then we'll fall short and we'll find ourselves in line with this statistic. And even if you were or are a part of such a statistic, thank God that you're here because you are the one now charged and empowered even more so to curb that statistic to make it work for you. You hold the mantle now to say, you know what, it stops here, it stops now. When my father's father passed away, he, 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 he left a lineage of whoredom. And he said, it stops here and it stops now. Because my husband was well on his way. He's told the story before. So this is why you're here. Because right now, the world is telling you to be young, sexy, fancy, and free. And I read these statistics just to make you aware it don't work. It does not work. All right, turn with me to Genesis chapter 30. I mean Genesis. Proverbs chapter 31. Let's get going. Proverbs 21. You know what? You don't even have to turn there. Let's just, I'll just read it to you because actually I want you to turn over to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to take our time. And it's 744. So I'm going to stop right now. If you have a question, if you're bold and brave, you can raise your hand in the air. If you wrote a question down or if you want to write a question down, you can send it down to the aisles. If there are no questions, I'm going to keep on talking. Are there any questions? Are there any questions moving towards the end? Okay. Then Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her value is far more than rubies? That word virtuous right there means strong. It means powerful. It means a force. It means a standard. It means unmovable. It means truthful. It means all-encompassing. It means unmoved. That word right there is actually virtuous. We use it for women, but valor is what we use for men. It means the same thing, that this woman is strong. She's unmoved. She's certain. She's confident. She knows who she is. Understand, when God said, let us make man in our image, he didn't say, let us make husband and wife. He didn't say, let us make girl and boy. He didn't say, let's make two sexually compatible partners. He said, let us make male and female, man and woman. Before they were anything else, they were first girl. We already talked about the boys, but girl was woman, woman was first what? Daughter. She was first daughter and first woman. She was nothing else. She was first daughter and she was first woman and I don't care what your childhood was like as a daughter when you come in him you have to now recreate and, and, and adjust yourself to what God's daughter looks like and guess what you don't get to determine that he already set the blueprint as to what his baby girls 
ought to experience, ought to walk in, ought to have, ought to look like, he already set that in motion. We already know man and woman alike are superior to the devil, are superior to the enemy, are superior to insects, are superior to spiders. Ah! A spider! You are superior. So next time you see that thing, just go crunch. Just to exercise and develop your superiority. Amen. Say that again, sister. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 2, now we get into the nooks and crannies of the creation of man and woman. Now, God, I've gone over, I've taught this before, so I don't want to repeat it, but God set everything in motion for man. And then he made man and says he you know, he said he created him first. So in Genesis chapter 1, it says he created him. And created there in the image of God means literally to cut off. So it's, it's, it's God cut off a piece of himself to make Adam spiritually. But we know in Genesis chapter 2 that now he's in the earth and he forms him with the clay of the ground. Right? Thus Adam. Okay? And then from there, he takes Adam, because Adam was made out in the field, if you've been here before. And then after Adam, then he says, let's create the Garden of Eden. Okay? Adam came before the Garden of Eden. And this is why, y'all, because God thought you was just that special. Amen. It says God created the Garden of Eden. The word Eden there means pleasurable, desirable, beautiful. And he talks about how he made this garden and everything in it was living, it was alive, and it produced life. Everything in it was living, not dead, alive, not depressed, and producing life, not dormant. Okay? And he made it so that it was beautiful. And in one, he made four rivers going out of the head of the river. And in one direction, there was a land of, of onyx and of gold and of precious stone and of rubies and of pearls. And it's all there in the Garden of Eden. Man ain't there yet. And then there's this other island, this other head of the river, goes to an area that when it's defined, it's defined as being beautiful of color, ornate, spectacular to the eyes. And then it goes on to say that the other part of the river was full of vegetation and fruit and life and, and sustenance. And he makes this garden. All this is one garden. And it's so spectacular. It's so beautiful. It's so awesome. God says, okay, now I feel like I've made a perfect gift for God. It's the origin. It's the, it's the seed by which they can really do that thing I said to do in Genesis chapter 1, to, to now replenish, be fruitful, and multiply. This was the seed. This was the organism. This was the organic product that was supposed to be reproduced, and man's hands were supposed to be in it to reproduce it. And then God says, okay, Adam, come on, baby boy. Boom. There you go. Now listen now. This is a special place. Because in this place, you're going to learn a lot about what I've called you to do. And you've got to protect it. And you've got to cultivate it. 
Man is charged with working, cultivating. And he's not charged with just with going to the job, nine to five, and making the money. Everywhere you go, man of God, there's supposed to be life. Everywhere you go, you find an opportunity to sow seed, an opportunity to produce growth, an opportunity to speak life into somebody. That's what you're called to do. That's your assignment. Nothing about that changed. How about that? God didn't say, so now you don't have to do that no more. No. The enemy made it harder, but you're still charged to do it. And so he puts Adam in the garden. And when he puts Adam in the garden, he's bringing all the animals to him two by two and say, okay, baby boy, start naming them. I'm teaching you something because whatever you say, it is. I'm teaching you something. Whatever you speak becomes, you produce life. And whatever you say can become, you're just like me. And just like I spoke earth into being, and just like I spoke to heaven, and everything I said came with power. And I'm just trying to get you to develop that power. That's all I'm doing. This is training wheels for you to develop that power of speech, to develop that true image of God so that the image of God comes the reality of God for you and in you. If your thought is that it's too hard to do this, it's because you're trying to do it in your own power and you're trying to do it in a transgressed state. God said, hey, I created you so that once you start speaking things, you know, Stuff start moving in direction to make it come into manifestation. And so Adam is there, and two by two, cows, ox, giraffes, lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, are coming. And then he says here later on in Genesis chapter 2, verse, I think it's about 18. God says, okay, all this I made, as beautiful and astounding as it is, and as glorious as this creature called man is, still not good that he's alone. And so right after that, that's when all this is brought about to him. Every field, every feast, every fowl, everything's come, brought to him so that he could name it. And in that, he noticed that there's no counterpart. There's no nothing that looks like me. So woman, you are created, you were created as a result of desire. Number one, know that you are created as a result of desire. Man will chase you. Even if for all the wrong reasons, you were created to be desired. You were created to be adorned. You were created to smell nice and look nice. You were not created to do all these things that men do. I don't care what they tell you out there. God created this delicate, beautiful, ornate, rich, and I mean, just ooh, ooh, <laughs> garden. And he puts you in there, puts man in there, and then man, now you ain't on the scene yet, but he's making it so that man is noticing, I need her. I need a something. I need something. I, something's missing. I don't know what's going on, but all these people, all these it, Animals are two by two. I'm one by one. God, I mean, you the bomb and all, but I need to some more. <laughs> he notices it, and God, and he notices it not until God says, it's not really man good for man to be alone. Amen. And so out of man's desire, hint, out of man's desire, because you don't see anywhere in here that Adam says, God, you got to make me something that looks like me. You don't see nothing like that. God, they were so connected that all he had to do was just notice it. 
And God says, let me respond to my baby boy because I know what he's thinking. And so then it immediately says that he causes man to go into a deep sleep in the garden. And in this deep sleep, transit, unconscious, comatose is what that is. So that man could never say that he had anything to do with the design and the creation of woman. A man does not define you. Being married does not define you. Being divorced does not define you. God made it so that Adam was out, comatose. I mean, two heartbeats short of dead. He probably did die because, you know, God was in the resurrecting business even back then. So that man could not say, I had anything to do with those curves, with how soft your skin is, with how much hair you're missing, or how much more hair you have, with those eyelashes and those toenails and fingernails that you like. Man could never say he had anything to do with that. Because God said, you know what? I have my own design and my own blueprint and my own specifications as to how I'm going to make her. Think about it. Did you have anything to do with how you were created? Did you? It took, at the right time, at the right place, two people to come together specifically to make you. One-third, this is what scientists say, one-third of a second difference would not have been you. One-third of a second difference may not have been you. Because that little sperm, is, another sperm is going to beat that little other sperm to get to that egg. <laughs> Dead heat. Ugh, you know how that little... <laughs> yeah, the Olympus coming up. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going to stop there to get you all home. And I hope you got something in that. Number one, ladies, there's just a foundation. You are in the earth to multiply, replenish, and, 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 and do all those good, to be fruitful. You are supposed to prosper. All those things, men and women alike, you are in the earth to subdue and to dominate. Period. That's your default, man and woman. But woman, you were made special. You were made out of, you were, your creation is birthed out of desire. You will be desired. And just know this, because we're living in a fallen state, 99% of those desires will be wrong. So guess what you have to practice? You have to practice a whole lot of no rather than a whole, uh, rather than wait and see. Amen. You were created to be the desire. You were created to be chased. You were created to be pursued. God made you his, I'm not just saying that in jest. It was after she came on the scene that he said it was very good. You are, Colossians, I mean, Corinthians says that the woman is the crown of the man, is the glory of the man. 
You are the treasure. I'm saying this over and over again because you got to realize that you are worth the pursuit. I don't care how old you is. You is. Ooh, English major. I don't care how old you are and how desperately you want to be married and may have never been married. I don't care what mistakes have happened in the past. At the end of the day, if you don't realize that you're the treasure, you're the prize, you're the pursuit, you're the desire, you will compromise and settle, and then you wonder why you're playing the same bill over and over and over again. Man, if she's easy to get, she's easy to lose. If she's easy to get, she's easy to lose. But also, do a self-check, because if you don't want to work for her, if you don't want to work for her, then you cannot complain when she falls short of anything you ever desire because you too compromise. Man, you were created to have a reward. If it comes easy, if it comes easy, we waste it, don't we? We abuse it, we misuse it. But if we work for it, oh, now, you know. Those new Jordans, my son got those new Jordans. I mean, he, he, got, he still got the box. He gets, still got the plastic thing that goes in the shoes. He still got the paper that wrap, he wraps in them. I mean, I mean it's like a, it's, if you work for it, she's better than a brand new pair of Jordans. He said, I just better be. And that's how God created you. He didn't just wake up one Monday morning and say, hey, let's create man and woman. He had intention, he had purpose, he had plans, he had callings, he had desires, he had pursuits, he had overtakings, he had conquerings, he had, he had, uh, 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 he had something to be redeemed. He had a whole, I mean, I had not seen nor ear had heard what the plans that God had for man. And when you get that, then you can elevate your thinking and your behavior and your very existence to say, you know what? He did too much for me to just waste it on any mundane, stupid stuff. I'm so much better than status quo. I ought to be the first draft pick of the doggone World Series game, or baseball team or whatever it is. Amen. I ought to be able to pick what I want to do. Amen. They ought to say, okay, how much you want to get paid, and then we pay it. Amen? And when you realize your God loved you that much, and he created you so that he could demonstrate that much love to you, then it's easier for me to walk and say, okay, you know what? I don't do this to earn your love. But I do this because I know how much you love me, and I just want to show you a little bit about how much I love you back. Amen. 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 Now, I know that Thursday night, this crowd usually is the committed crowd, but I don't want to take for granted that anyone is here and don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So, if you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, hey, now is the time. Today is the day. This is the moment for you to make the most important, impactful decision of your life. Or, or perhaps you've been living life in a way in which you know